0: howdy everyone in today's bonus episode we sit down with outgoing republican texas state representative kyle biederman we get his thoughts on all sorts of issues facing the texas legislature we discuss the lack of transparency and involvement by state lawmakers themselves in the state budget process we talk about corporate welfare government spending and property taxes it's a jam-packed episode stay tuned (laughs) Taxpayer Talks is brought to you by Texans for Fiscal Responsibility, and it's only made possible from generous donations from listeners like you. If you want to support our work, you can visit texastaxpayers.com slash donate to make a tax-deductible contribution today. Thank you.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special episode of Taxpayer Talks today. We have a very special guest, our board member Kyle Biederman with us today. My name is Tim Harden. I'm president of Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. We're here with our executive director, Jeremy Kitchen. How are you doing today, Jeremy?
0: Howdy, howdy. Excited to be here.
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, hey Kyle, good to have you on the show today. Um, obviously, you're a newly minted TFR board member uh, and soon to be former representative in the Texas House, serving uh, quite a few terms. What have you been up to, Kyle? What's going on with you? Well, oh, good morning, Tim and Jeremy, and uh, I'm I'm just very honored to be
2: part of uh, TFR and uh, and being able to give some of my insights into being a legislator for six years or three sessions. So this is exciting for me. And actually, I'm sitting in my Ace Hardware office. Actually, this is my wife's chair because <laughs> my desk, I, I can't even ba- barely get to my desk. You can see all my wife's stuff behind me. But uh, yeah, all the memorabilia from, you know, six years. And, and you'd say in former state rep, you know, that's, it's kind of hard in a way to step down on your own. And, um, you know, because once you're at that level, <clears throat> You know, it's it's hard to give it up, and that's why we have such a problem with our legislators because they're there so long; they don't want to give it up. It becomes part of their life, and that whole ego and power and uh, just the uh, entitlement that they seem to get—it's just—it's uh, crazy. And both you guys are in the legislature with me. I served with both of you guys,
1: Absolutely.
2: and uh, as uh, as chief of staffs. And so you saw all these people that dropped. You know, they come in there saying big words and big stuff, and <laughs> Uh, you know, you just watch them fall and it's, it's just really sad, but, um, uh, I'm really happy. I've, I'm, uh, uh, getting back to my business, which has been great. And I just opened a brand new Ace Hardware store in Harper, the huge town of Harper, Texas, uh, population 3000, I guess, or something like that. Actually, there's only one major business in Harper, Texas. It's family dollar. And, you know, Not there's hard. family dollars all over the state, <laughs> um, but that's the only real major business there. And so uh, I bought a feed store, didn't even know about it, it just happened, and added a full hardware store. In fact, Thursday, Friday, Saturday this week um, is our grand opening. So I'm real excited about that. And, uh, and then I also bought the liquor store next door. So <laughs> I own a liquor store now. Oh my gosh, crazy time since I left the legislature, but uh, I'm still involved in things. And uh, every day I'm handling. Uh, you know, my constituents' needs, and and also just trying to keep up on what's going on. And what a crazy time in this world, crazy time in the United States, and crazy time in Texas, too. And appreciate you guys being there on the front to give people the information. I don't want to take all the time talking, but you know what? The major question I get from uh, people uh, here in my stores, remember, I talk to thousands of people a, a, a week, thousands regular people coming in the store and their main question is how do we get information about what's really going on in texas and texas politics and i give them the same answer every time texas for fiscal responsibility will give you that information and you got to sign up so uh one of the things i'll be working on with you guys i'll be promoting it here in my store and uh, again looking forward to talking about a couple issues here today
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, For those uh, who do pay attention to our index, Kyle has been a taxpayer champion every single session uh, that he has served, and um, I I, I do want to say to your point, uh, I respect the legislators that are able to lay it down on their own because, you know, everyone, especially, you know, conservative Republicans, when they come in, everyone supports term limits, right, until... (coughs) they get into office,
2: <laughs> <Then on laughs> a button,
1: uh, they get, you know, three, four, five terms. It's like what happened to those term limits, you know? Um, so a massive respect for you, Kyle. We're happy to have you on the program. Let's uh, let, let's get right into it. Um, so uh, we, we have launched our Texas prosperity plan. And one of the the major uh, tenets of that is the elimination of property taxes uh, for the most part, Uh, this has massive support. We've had really good feedback, of course, some hard, hard questions talking about school funding and things like that. But the question I want to ask you is based on your experience in the legislature and, and kind of what other legislators have said behind the scenes, we want to know, is it possible to do this? Is it possible to eliminate property taxes in Texas?
2: Well, uh, I believe there is, but we got to really first talk about property taxes, um, you've got your, your county and your city property taxes. Those we've controlled and put a cap on, and that we've done a great job. It also gives the people the information on what their county and city is doing on property taxes based on the tax rate. So we've done a good job when it comes to city and county taxes. The problem is school taxes. That's where the biggest problem is. And um, the only way that we're going to be able to uh, control the school property taxes is by controlling spending. And so there's two ways to control spending. You control spending by the school system, how much they spend, but also by the state. And so with Texas, you know, being a a state that's growing, uh, we continually have an increase in our budget and uh, very rarely do we ever have a deficit. Uh, We usually have a surplus. So uh, the whole, you know, I can't remember the Texas property plan. Whatever, What do you guys call it? What
1: do you call our plan? Prosperity plan. Yeah.
2: Prosperity plan. <laughs> I'm not a legislature anymore, so I don't, I don't have all those words anymore. But, um, yeah, the prosperity plan, that's the only way. And that way we take the surplus. And, of course, uh, part of it's going to have to go to the growth of the state of Texas. I mean, I hate to say this. Part of it has to. What about just cutting? The growth of spending in Texas, but we'll get away from that, and we'll just say, okay, we've spent a certain level already. All right, will keep that level and increase it by population inflation, and then take the majority of what's left and pay down property taxes. The school side, again, we're only talking about the school side and M and O most likely to begin with. Um, so people need to realize property taxes, city and county, which we already are controlling through the legislature, it is the school side that has no control whatsoever. And uh, even though there was a cap of some type, it didn't change because if they just increase their spending, it doesn't matter. And here's one other point. Um, I'm concerned that even if we did do the prosperity uh, property tax plan, the school's just gonna increase their spending. So we're gonna have to just keep increasing spending more surplus. So unless we control the growth of our public schools, uh, we're in trouble no matter what.
0: It, it'll be interesting to see. I, it's it's in, an interesting point you make about the schools, right? Because Tim and I have talked several times about the concern that you've got the last, let's say, two years, right? Coming through the COVID pandemic and everything, you actually have school uh, school enrollment down, right, across the state uh, by varying metrics, right, depending on on where you're at, but ultimately down. And the assumption is, is that public schools, public education generally will be a larger budget item, right, uh, as we go into the next session. And to your point, how do we fund that, right? It's kind of a myriad um, of things, but it's certainly something that is out of control. We start from the premise um, as a part of the prosperity plan, right, and that, like, as when it comes to spending, right? And, and certainly taxation and spending are ab- absolutely intertwined. When it comes to spending, they've already kind of gotten away from what was population and inflation, right? Like we've been, we've been under that since about 2015. But to be frank with you, you know, we are exponentially beyond what that was starting from 20 years ago, right? Um, and you know, when we go around the state and we talk to folks, we always ask the question, do you believe government is too big? And of course, the response, right, as you can imagine, is yes. And so then the follow on question is, well, then why do we continue to allow it to grow at all by any metric, right? What do you think about that?
2: Well, I mean, that's basically what I was saying earlier, because, uh, you know, we're starting at the premise, okay, let's start from here. But we've allowed the growth of government to be just way too big already. And, you know, you know what the pressures are like at the the Capitol. So as a legislator and as a staff, and staff members, I mean, they're coming in and, and they, they put so much pressure on you. Oh, my gosh, don't you feel bad about this group? Or don't you feel bad about the teachers or the retired teachers or then this pension plan? Or, you know, we really got to help this area because they had a big flood and then you got this and you got this. And oh my gosh, they have it all set up, um, you know, of all these things you have to spend on. And if you don't, you're a bad person. But, you know, where does all that come from? It comes from these special interest groups and the lobby groups who are getting paid by people who want more money. And so the legislators then, in order to uh, appease them and, and of course, to be part of the club and to get more donations and to be liked, they have dinners every night and everything else they get from the lobbyists, they're going to vote for that crap. And then we continue to just grow government. So that's exactly how it works, and uh, it's it's uh, it's a um, <laughs> it's a uh, it's so out of control. It's hard to stop the momentum of uh, of your bureaucracy and the growth of bureaucracy.
1: Yeah, uh, I you know I think one one thing probably all of us uh, saw you know in, in that building uh, is the extreme amount of attention that's given to corporate interests, uh, to 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 lobbyists, to special interests, like you said. Uh, but, but yet, homeowners, the ones who are actually suffering under this, right, uh, who, who are uh, being priced out of their homes in Texas, they are, are asked to tighten the belt. Hey, tighten the belt. Uh, we're not going to go get raises right now. Most people aren't getting raises. Inflation is crushing people. But yet, every biennium, it seems like all of these state agencies. Uh, and all of these uh, you know, these corporate welfare programs, well, they just get to increase their budgets. They get raises. Uh, but homeowners don't, which which kind of brings me to my next question, something that uh, I know you've dealt with uh, at least for a few sessions, which is this uh, Chapter 313 abatement program. And uh, mm-hmm. so this last go uh it was actually it, it failed to renew. So it's uh, supposed to renew in uh, it's not it's supposed to expire, excuse me, in December of this year. Um, And the the crazy thing about these is both parties, both Democrat and Republican parties, openly oppose Chapter Mm 315 abatements. Yet we have Speaker Dave Thielen who has come out publicly and said that he is seeking to renew this in another (laughs) form. Uh, And so the question is, uh, it is the largest corporate welfare program in Texas. It's $11 billion, it's massive. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and we give money and abatements to corporations that, that routinely silence conservatives. So the question is, yet again, kind of appealing to your experience in the legislature: if both parties oppose this, and, uh, and as conservatives we should be uh, opposing all corporate welfare, why then are we renewing it? Why is Dade coming out and saying, "Well, we're going to try and renew this in a different form"? What, what, what are mm-hmm. your thoughts, Kyle? <laughs>
2: It's um, it's quite obvious. And it, it comes right from the, what I just said earlier. He's getting paid. I mean, he's got all that pressure from all the money come from all those corporate sponsors and uh, he wants more money so he can help other rhinos win and all this stuff to build up his coffers and everything else. I mean, it's all about money. It's all about money and power. And, uh, but, you know, getting back to the lobbyist situation, it's not really their fault. I mean, both of you guys know that your bosses, as well as me, said I'll take money from anyone. I don't care because it's not going to change what I do. I mean, I'm going to vote and um, and and fight the same way whether I get money from people I don't like or that I don't agree with. But that's not the point or the case with most people. And so with Dave, um, you know, he wants that program because that's a big part of his support. And you got to remember, in the Capitol. Um, you get the most power or you're most powerful when you appeal to both parties. And so you get money from both parties, you know, or, or donors that are, you know, Democrat, Republican or liberal or conservative. You know, they, they're not going to tell you what they are, but, you know, they're either liberal or conservative, basically. And uh, you get money from both sides, then you're going to be powerful, just like Greg Abbott. Abbott wins because the Democrats know he's not going to do anything. And the Republicans, donors, hope he's going to do something. And so he gets it from both sides, and he just raises a ton of money. And uh, that's the whole status quo that happens in D.C., but it happens right here in Texas. 3.13, it was fun. Uh, I remember your boss, Tim, actually went to the back mic and told um, Representative Murphy when he was up there with the bill. um, He pointed out that 3.13 was on both the Democrat and the Republican platforms, and it, it was like nobody heard it and it was just unbelievable. I mean it was right on the House floor. it was spoken uh, when the bill was being presented and uh, remember that year we um, uh, we were able I guess that was the year when we when we actually stopped it, but it didn't it wasn't going to end until this year so or was that last session i can't remember or the session before when we when, it, when that bill didn't Actually, we killed that bill. It didn't pass. And then last session, we actually um, killed the 313 to a certain time, right? I mean, you got to help me out. Okay. (laughs) But that 313 thing, it's coming back because these legislators are getting paid, you know, they're getting paid by these corporations that want the subsidies.
0: It should be noted, too, because you brought up the author of the bill that died, right, which was Jim Murphy, um, who, of course, was the Republican caucus chairman who was going against his own his own party's platform, right? I mean you't can't, you can't make that stuff up. It's, it's, it just kind of goes to show you whose priorities are prioritized, right when it comes uh, to the legislature. I, I do have a question, Kyle, you brought up earlier. Obviously, congratulations on your business ventures and expanding. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, bringing it back to kind of this property tax as a general concept. I mean, obviously, as a business owner, right? As a homeowner, right? You pay your own share of property taxes. uh, Down there, this kind of ever increasing burden. Politically, do you think that there's an appetite? Right? Do you think that the pressure has built? up so much now to where lawmakers can no longer kind of do what y'all have been doing uh, when it comes to property taxes? Do you think that they, in fact, have to do something this go around or has not enough political pressure been brought to bear, especially on Republican lawmakers?
2: Well, it, they're all going to say that, you know, they all hear it back in their district. And in, at the uh, in Austin, they don't talk about it. It all comes down to leadership. If governor, lieutenant governor, and the speaker want to do something true about property taxes and not just increase the deduction for your homestead, I mean, what a joke. You know, what a total slap in the face to say, oh, man, we did this to help reduce your property taxes. Um, I mean, just it's a total joke. It's unbelievable. But it's not the lawmakers. That's what ha- It's really not the lawmakers. It is leadership. And if leadership wants it, just like Constitutional Carry. You guys were involved in Constitutional Carry a lot more than I was when I was there because of your bosses. And uh, it it went nowhere. And you knew it was going nowhere. You knew it had no chance. This last session, it was like, you can't stop it. It didn't matter what we did. You weren't going to stop Con Carry because leadership wanted it.
1: You know, so that's really how it is. I don't want
2: to say it's the lawmakers that... Uh, you know, really talk about property taxes. They can just do whatever they're told by leadership.
0: It's interesting you bring up the the, the leadership point. Only I, I literally just wrote about this, right? You've to the credit of the governor, to the credit of the lieutenant governor, they've at least both talked about using some amount, right, <laughs> of the budget surplus to buy down the school portion of the property tax. I could not find. Anywhere could be corrected, but could not find anywhere that Republican leadership in the House, specifically, of course, Speaker Phelan, but mm-hmm. even some of his quote unquote lieutenants, right, saying anything about using any portion of the surplus. In fact, the only thing I found, obviously, and we've written about this a few times, is that there were some House interim charges for the House Ways and Means Committee to use port, like funds, the ARPA funding, right, the 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 remaining ARPA funding um, that that still exists, but nothing about using the $27 billion surplus. Why do you think that is in the house that there at least seems to be a hangup? And, and to be clear, like, I'm not necessarily giving credit before like putting the cart before the horse. We'll see if the legislature actually does something when it comes to buying down school M and O. But when it comes to leadership, you've got one leg of that stool that is yet to say anything about it. Well, that's all you need, you know? So, you know, uh, Uh, Lieutenant
2: governor can, you know, say, oh, man, I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to do all this stuff and I'm going to pass it in the Senate when he knows the house is not going to pass it or vice versa. You know, uh, there's cover for lieutenant governor by the speaker. Speaker will pass it and then knowing that lieutenant governor is going to kill it or if the governor is going to veto it. So they've got all the they got all the ways to be able to make yourself look good in in one of the houses. But the thing is, um, they'll come up with, oh, my gosh, we. We had too much else to spend on. We could only do this much, but look what we're doing for you. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the same old um, bait and switch and then um, making excuses and just doing just enough to say, hey, now I can put it on my flyer that we did property tax relief. Uh, and it's just it's that's just how it's going to happen. And this session, uh, you, I, I don't know. You're right, because I haven't heard much in the house. And uh, Patrick is already coming down to certain dollar amounts. You know, so what? Three billion, big freaking deal. You know, then you say, okay, then we'll take another five billion. Well, that's what is it going to change your property taxes by? You know, a hundred bucks when we're paying thousands and thousands. The biggest problem though is, um, uh, you know, investment property or commercial property. Uh, you know, I don't even have a homestead. Personally, I do not even own a homestead because I didn't want to lie. And say, one of my rent houses is my homestead. You know, I just just can't do that. Um, So every one of my properties is just, they max it every year as much as they can. In fact, I just bought a piece of property to move the store. And that was the main reason I didn't run is because I bought a piece of property to move my existing store because I've been leasing for 37 years. And I found a piece of property, spent a fortune here in Fredericksburg, but it's the last really good corner in town. Uh, that zone commercial. And uh, (laughs) the thing went up, um, what, 400% in one year. Insanity. Actually more than 400%. (laughs) I mean, the property taxes went from, uh, went up $35,000. So uh, I think I'm paying like $45,000 for just raw land, nothing on it. Not a single bit of infrastructure on this property. $45,000 $45,000 and it went up $35,000 from the year before. So I don't even know what that percentage is. It's just crazy. Yeah. And there's nothing there. Wait till I put a building on it. <laughs> uh, wow. So that, that's, that is, remember, I don't know if you guys remember also, we were on the floor. In fact, one of the Democrats, uh, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was TMF. Um, is that a TMF, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he came out with like a, a cap on commercial. And investment property. We have a cap for homestead, but there's no cap whatsoever. And you you talk about these budgets getting out of hand for these municipalities, uh, as well as the schools, because they're just ripping you on commercial and investment property um, at the expense of, uh, you know, so many of us. It's crazy. So there's a number of things that need to be looked at. But again, I hope and pray that we actually Don't just put a little um, exemption increase in that we actually do something long-term An exemption increase. They call it long-term, but shoot, your value, your property is going to go up more than that in the next year or two anyway. So it's gone. So we need a long-term fix. And we also need to control spending and with what's going on with uh, the schools right now, there might even be homes home. I mean, um, school uh, education freedom coming up. Yeah. And uh, boy, look at that. I mean, the schools are crying for money right now. And uh, then you put that in in play and then you try to (laughs) reduce property. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that makes it exciting if we actually have the discussion instead of just you and I and other conservatives having the discussion.
1: Yeah, I I like the point that you made about leadership, you know, and uh, what many taxpayers and voters don't understand is the dynamics and the power that each one of these three positions, the big three, right? The Speaker of the House, the Lieutenant Governor and the Governor. But you know what? What we have said in past articles is one of these three is is not like the other, right? Uh, and and what I mean is Abbott uh, specifically has the sole power to call an unlimited number of special sessions. He has the bully pulpit, and he has the ability uh, to come out and press lawmakers to force them to get something done. We've seen it happen over and over again. He called three special sessions this last go round for election integrity and other things, right? And so when he comes out with his the state of the state. Uh, He will list out his uh, legislative priorities. And all he has to say is, if you don't pass a major property tax reform, we don't. He he came out in his debate and literally said, my goal is to eliminate school property taxes so people can actually own their home. We have been. Uh, reminding people of that and we're going to continue to remind people of that and so that was a strong statement, we have to hold our our elected officials accountable, and so we expect to see that on his legislative priorities, and Mm -hmm. we want to remind people that uh, if he in fact really does believe that and that wasn't just campaign rhetoric, that he actually can force the legislature to pass this and to eliminate school property taxes by simply saying if you don't, I'm going to keep calling special sessions forever. All the way until the next legislative session, if you guys don't get this done, so you are absolutely right that strong leadership. And I would say specifically, yeah, the Speaker of the House has a role to play. The Lieutenant Governor has a role to play, but only Abbott wields that power. Uh, and so that is one of the, uh, the special things about being Texas Governor is you you can actually force things to happen. And when he takes a strong stance uh, and and presses the legislature, it's surprising how quickly things uh, will get done. But one want one to transition. Uh, to the budget in general. And so, uh, you know, another part of our, our plan is what we're calling a, a frozen budget or uh, a no growth budget. Uh, this comes from a number of conversations with a few economists, some from TPPF and others. And uh, essentially, you know, we passed a very good conservative reform this last go around, which we we praised. It was awesome. I believe it was Senator uh, Kelly Hancock uh, is the one who carried the bill. And essentially it it was kind of the final piece to fully limit the budget population plus inflation growth. This is actually the issue that TFR was started on back in 2006. <laughs> it only took about 15 years to actually get done. Uh, so it actually got done. And so uh, there's praise uh, where, where praise should be. So we're happy. The, the problem though, is after passing that 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 groundbreaking legislation, uh, now we have, because of the federal government, specifically the Federal Reserve and bad monetary policy, inflation is at a 40 year high. And so we touched the 9 percent and we've been hanging around 8 percent. And most of um, most of the economists we've talked to are estimating that if we stayed under that cap, this next next legislative session uh, in a biennium over two years, we're looking at probably a 15 percent uh, increase in the budget, which is Massive. When you're talking about, I think it's with federal funds. I think we're around 260 billion dollars, and so that would put us on on pace to likely be over 300 billion dollars uh, in 2000. Uh, I believe this would put us on pace to about triple our budget in the last 20 years. And so, to the point earlier uh, that Jeremy and, and and you both were talking about the government being too big. I guess the question is, you know, with inflation as high as it is would we consider the, the state budget growing 15% to be a conservative metric uh, or, or should we strive for something more this next go round? Well,
2: <clears throat> what happens, and uh, uh, Controller Hager, Comptroller Hager has said it, you know, we have the surplus, but a lot of it's because of inflation. Just like sales at my store, my A store, or other retailers or other businesses, uh, sales may be up, but it's, if you're not up more than 10% or 8%, then you're not up. It's just inflation, you know? So um, I think that our budget, um, I think that we, we need to keep that. Um, uh, I don't, just because inflation is so high, there, we have a certain surplus. So when inflation goes down, we still have a surplus. If we do have a, if we do have a surplus, we just got to spend that surplus and give it back to the people, period. I mean, we can't be you know, playing games with, oh, we got this and this, so we can't do this and this. And, but that's what they're going to do. The cat, that's, what the, that's what the leadership's going to do. They, they come up with all sorts of excuses for not taking care of the people and giving their money back. So um, I, I don't know if that answered your question, but you know, it goes both ways, whether inflation's going up or down. And uh, population inflation, um, you know, even if we used it as the as a high number, like you're talking about the inflation part, we still have a huge surplus on top of it. So, you know, uh, just let's give the people their money back and uh, let's cut spending at the at the capital and let's actually do what's right, what we campaign on and not um, forget about it when we get to Austin.
0: Curious, Kyle. The in your three legislative sessions, obviously you, you didn't serve. To my knowledge, at least, you didn't serve on the House Appropriations Committee. Yeah. Um, and, and so, <laughs> what is what is your thought? We've you know we've heard from different lawmakers, right, and different for either former staff, right? Or people that have kind of been plugged into the process for decades, right? That especially as of recent sessions, the appropriations process, I'm using air quotes, right? Has become really anything but, right? Most lawmakers aren't involved in it. Um, It's kind of dictated by just a few people behind the scenes, right? And then lawmakers, you know, they happen to see the bill. Obviously, it's the the one of the largest bills that y'all vote on. And you don't really know, like outside of, you know, getting kind of the the bullet points, if you will, from either various organizations or what have you. You don't really know what it is you're voting on, and you kind of get pressured, as you talked about earlier, to vote either a certain way on the overall bill or on specific amendments and that sort of stuff. What are your thoughts on just the overall process, right? As a lawmaker, right? As taxpayers, we want our lawmakers to to you know, we're the, what is it, the ninth largest economy in the world, right? We want our lawmakers to know uh, about the legislation they're, in fact, voting on, be involved, especially in the in the kind of appropriations process. Do you do you kind of agree with maybe what some of the other folks have said is that the process itself is maybe not the most transparent. It's not the most um, inviting for other lawmakers. What do you feel about that?
2: Well, it's um, everything's just baked. Everything's baked in before you even get to session. And you're right. It's, it's actually a four-year process. And I believe uh, your organization put out a, a really good um, kind of like, um, you know, commercial or cartoony thing that explained the budget process. I mean, it was very clear. The thing is already done. It's been done for a while and there's only a few people involved. And those people are the ones that are talking to all the agencies that we tried to put a bill in, um, that would allow the legislature um, to be able to uh, be in these hearings and question these agencies about the money they're asking for but that's not what happens basically the governor if you really want some tough talk will say okay agencies you got to cut four percent remember you guys were there when that was the thing well what do you mean four percent that's nothing I mean, you could cut a whole lot more than four percent. And they were just crying over four percent. And what do they do? They cut the good stuff, the good people, or whatever it is, at the expense of all the bad stuff they leave in there because they know they'll gain it back. And it's just it's it's ridiculous. It's a four-year process by the time we get to session. If the legislators are not able to actually question these agencies, well, it's like the Sunset Committee um, commission. This session um, we're going to do TCQ and some of those other environmental type um, uh, agencies, which is one of that was my biggest. That was what I spent most of my time on because I live in the Hill Country and I spent most of my time there. Plus, I had the, the most senior uh, policy expert in the country, basically working in my office. And I just wanted to be on the committee. And I actually wrote a letter to the speaker asking, can I be on the committee I don't get any money from any of these guys because that's a big money maker if you're on that sunset commission because they're paying you to not change anything. Um, and I said, I know all this stuff. I've got an expert. I've been putting bills out for three sessions. I'm a great fit for this committee. I can really help. Now, of course, I'm never going to put on. Just like appropriations, they put on Matt Schaefer, Re- Representative Schaefer, and I'm grateful about that. I was about the only one that could ever get any information from. And I w- watch some of those those hearings with um, Representative Schaefer, and he asked some good questions. But by the time he's asking the question, it was already done. So, you know, the, the budget process needs to be obviously more transparent. I'm actually of the, uh, of the in favor of possibly having just a special session every other year. So you go to session, and then the next January or February, we go back just for budget and you're there for one month for one issue, or anything else that has to be cleaned up, hopefully don't add too much stuff, and let the legislature be involved in the budget process before it gets to session, but, you know, if we don't change something, this, they've got it all, they've got the whole thing taken care of.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of a joke when you, when you look behind the scenes at budget night, you know, it's, it's 12 hours straight, (laughs) you know, when you talk to, to legislature, we talked to, to Kaysen about this as well. Uh, it's a big dog and pony show. You know, it, it's, it's all been baked in. Uh, they've mm-hmm. decided already what's going to happen and whatever, whatever happens, even if something does get put on, right. Even if you throw riders in there, amend. Uh, we know it's going to be in a different form of the Senate. They know, we know it's going to go to a Committee <laughs> and do whatever they want. Right. right. And so uh, I, I love the idea of, of, of taking a separate special session to deal with the budget, um, you know, and, and you asking uh, for legislators to be involved. One thing that is that is funny that a lot of people don't realize is right now in the interim, uh, they're just kind of wrapping up the legislative uh, action, uh, appropriation requests, excuse me, LARs. Uh, and the funny thing is, you know, m- pretty much no people on appropriations, none of the legislators themselves are even there. It's all staffers that are in these legislative appropriation requests hearings, uh, talking to agencies that are receiving sometimes billions of dollars. Uh, and it's you know just staffers, uh, UT students that are in there. They're not asking any hard questions. And the Appropriations Committee doesn't even bother to show up on, on these things. And so what would be the harm in having legislators uh, be involved in the process, even those outside of the appropriations hearing, and giving <laughs> y'all time to go through the the budget that is by the way like this thick you know and (laughs) and you're expected to go through the whole thing in in a matter of days uh and (laughs) then vote on this massive thing um that uh, as Jeremy said earlier you know is is the budget for the ninth largest economy in the entire world it's it's insanity that we don't have more interaction and it's concerning uh, that it seems as though uh, the power and, and the crafting of the budget is becoming more and more centralized in the hands of mm-hmm. just just a few people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and 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 again, you know, that's all where the where the uh, the power comes from. Um, you know, the leadership controls all that, and of course, uh, who is controlling leadership? Obviously, the money, and the money is coming from outside to make sure that they get their stuff in that budget. And then, as Jeremy said, the lack of transparency to not only legislators, but certainly to the people whose money is being spent. I mean, the whole thing is just a sham. It's a total sham. And it's very, very unfortunate. And then as legislators, we're, we go to budget night, as you said, and yeah, I mean, it's a total joke. <clears throat> we prepare for it for weeks. <clears throat> and, oh, man, we're going to be there till 2 in the morning. We're going to be there till 6 in the morning. You know. <laughs> and all it is is a show. You know, it's just a total show and it all gets changed the next day. And and then, I mean, there is just no benefit to it whatsoever. Zero benefit. And um, yeah, it's a total joke. Uh, but we get to use some of it <laughs> to uh, in campaigns where you said, look what this person did or they didn't vote for this. I mean, so we've tried to find a benefit for budget night besides the fact that there's no benefit to affecting the budget just the benefit for getting a vote maybe uh, that you can use it you know against somebody or for somebody and so i mean that's just that's not the way it should be
0: well
1: uh jeremy you got anything else ma'am
0: No, I don't think so. We cover a heck of a lot. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, that is our time. Hey, we appreciate you being with us, Kyle. Of course, uh, we want to remind everybody on all this budget stuff. You know, this is why TFR exists. Uh, We 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 exist to provide transparency and to help people understand this incredibly complex issue. Uh, We're extremely happy to have you on the board and your expertise uh, and the legislature, just kind of adding to what we already have. so we will look forward to seeing you again soon. We certainly will be having you on probably in the next uh, month or so. Uh, congratulations on all your business ventures and uh, we will talk to you soon, Kyle. Thanks for being with us.
2: Well, thank you very much. And, and again, it's, it's really nice to be able to give a little insight on what <laughs> happens in, that, in the pink dome and especially to do it with you guys who I served with. And, uh, but you know, your organization, again, as I said in the beginning, is one of the only ones that you're going to get some, the real truth at And um, and uh, keep putting that stuff out. You guys, you guys have really made it a lot clearer for people on how things work, uh, especially on some of this complicated stuff. So um, God bless you guys. God bless Texas in this election, man. uh, We got to really we got to really do well. So everyone get out and vote for sure.
1: Amen. Get out and vote, y'all. Thank you, Kyle. We will see you For soon. even more content,
0: follow us on social media, at Texas Taxpayers on Facebook and Instagram, at Texas underscore taxpayers on Twitter. Subscribe to the Fiscal Note, our weekly email jam-packed full of information important to Texas Taxpayers at texastaxpayers.com slash subscribe. And then make sure to check out our Texas Prosperity Plan, com slash TPP. Thanks.